Welcome to Real Brave and Unstoppable. Here, you'll hear stories and inspiration about showing up in the world authentically and having the courage to create the life you want. I'm your host, Courtney Rivard. I'm a mom, recovering engineer, lover of the outdoors, and professional life coach. I help smart women just like you live happier lives full of purpose and joy by empowering them to love who they are, get unstuck, and take action toward creating the life they dream of. In other words, I help them be real, brave, and unstoppable. It is possible and you can do it too. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Real, Brave, and Unstoppable, a podcast about being real, having courage, and creating a life you're excited to wake up to. I'm your host, Courtney Rivard, and welcome to episode number 19. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Real, Brave, and Unstoppable. This is episode number 19, and I'm super excited today because I'm going to have my first guest on the show. So in today's episode, I talk with Emily a lot about finding what it is that lights you up with your work and just finding something that's authentic to or aligned with who you are, whether or not that is working in corporate whether it's spending more time with your family or starting a a business of your own. We talk about how if you are hating your nine to five job, how it is possible to quit and do something that you love. Planning for it is key. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road and talk to Emily. So welcome, Emily. I'm going to just turn it over to you and just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are and how you discovered that what you were doing in HR was really not for you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to share my story more. It's, you know, when I graduated with my master's degree, I realized uh, I was going to have a hard time getting a job. It was 2007. It was the beginning of the recession here in the U.S. And I just knew I wanted to work with people and be of service. And I fell into human resources. And I knew from day one that it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I needed to pay my student loans and I needed to pay my rent and eat. So I kind of fell into corporate America And, you know, as the story goes, one thing led to another. And before you know it, I've spent 15 years doing a career I'm not in love with. And really one of the turning points for me was becoming a yoga teacher and tuning into my body more and uh, realizing that the stress and frustration wasn't sustainable. And so I knew probably five, five to 10 years before I quit that I wanted out, but I wasn't sure what I would do if I didn't do human resources and recruiting. And so the turning point for me was really having my son, Cedar, and he's two and a half now. And when he was born, he was born with multiple heart defects. And so it became really clear really quickly 
that he needed open heart surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it wasn't expected, but it's, you know, one of those things that uh, the bravery and resiliency comes into play. You just do what you need to, to move forward. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, he's doing great. And I'm very grateful uh, to the amazing staff and doctors we get to work with at Mott Children's Hospital. But um, it really made me realize I didn't want to go back to working for somebody else 40 hours a week doing something that didn't light me up when I could be spending time with my sweet little guy or time walking outside or time actually interacting with people in a way that felt good. Yeah, that's a such a great story. And so I feel like such a common um, common feeling for people who, you know, like you mentioned, you get out of college and you, you know, it's kind of like we check the boxes, we have to get the job. And then it's kind of like, well, we went to college for this, so we kind of have to stay in it. And then you get raises and you get promotions. Pretty soon you're getting, you're making good money, you have good benefits. And I guess it's like, it's really easy to get stuck there. Is that kind of how you felt when you oh, were yeah. in that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I had this goal to pay off my $60,000 in student loans Uh, and (laughs) I did it. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, I just decided I was going to throw money at it until it went away. So I did. I aggressively paid them off because, and this isn't true for everybody, but I felt like I had to pay them off before I quit my corporate job. And I actually realized now that I had a lot of money mindset issues I needed to work on around this idea that the most money I'll ever make is in my corporate job because that's not true. But I thought that that was the case. Uh, When you're making six figures in a job with good benefits, it's definitely a mindset that I think we can get trapped in of, well, this is as good as it gets. So I better hold on to this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that so many people, I know in my work, it's amazing how many um, people come in to talk to me for one issue, but then we dig a little deeper and there's so much stuff that is rooted in money issues. And you're right. Like we have this idea that, that like the corporate job is like the, the end all be all that that's where it is. That's where it's at. That's where money is at. That's where happiness, security, safety is at. Yeah. It, it took a lot to shake that for me. And, and a big shift was actually getting a tumor. So between my son's open heart surgeries, I had a tumor removed, uh, non-cancerous. It was crazy that year. Wow. Was- <laughs> um, and I really think it was from chronic stress and not having a good way to mitigate it because, you know, as others in corporate America know, those fire drill emails, the, we've got to do this, you've got to get it done right away. It's just a way to create more product, right? To create more money. And it's completely unnecessary to our bodies to take on that much stress consistently. Oh, so true. I I was talking to someone yesterday about lawyers and the billable hour requirements and how it's just gotten out of control. And if you're a lawyer listening to this, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but that's just like that hamster wheel of work, 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 work. Just increase production, right? So yeah, anti-capitalist. 
Yeah. I feel like in corporate America, there's such a lack of authenticity too. I feel like it's just very much, you feel you need to put on this persona to be successful and you can't like, Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Real Brave and Unstoppable. This is episode number 19. And today I'm really excited because I am having my first guest on the show. Um, So that's really show your you can't show your weaknesses. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely felt like I couldn't be my full self in any of my jobs. And actually the last two jobs, so being a recruiter, you kind of move around frequently, but also I advise people like leave the company, jump to another one, because I think the biggest salary jump I was able to achieve was $20,000 from leaving one company and going to another. So I highly recommend that move if you want to pay down debt. But I had a lot of my bosses would say, oh my goodness, I wish I could be as brave as you. And one of them said, you know, I've always wanted to coach women's basketball and I just really want to coach women's basketball and that's what I want to do. And it's like, well, why not do that now? Why why wait? She was waiting until retirement. And another boss said, oh, you know, well, I live in my mom's basement with my dog and that's just what it is. But I really want to travel the world and I want to do all these things. And I, I so admire you for taking the leap. And it's like, well, I I appreciate that. And man, what would it take for more people to do what they want to do and enjoy their life while we've got it? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up. I was just having a conversation um, online with somebody. She's a single mom and is in a job that she doesn't really love. And she was just kind of asking for any advice on, you know, switching gears. She's like, well, I don't know that I can really do that because I'm a single mom. I'm supporting my daughter. I don't get a lot of child support. And I think that you're like, you're so right. Like what would it take for more people to actually see that they're being limited by their stories of what's possible? Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, it took my son having two open heart surgeries and a pacemaker and my own tumor surgery, but that also had me hold on to the corporate job a year longer than I wanted because we had over $500,000 in medical costs and by insurance, but had we moved companies and switched insurances, we would have had to pay the deductible all over again. Yeah. I I guess at that point you kind of weigh, it's, it's like sometimes, sometimes we can't like immediately make that shift, but it doesn't mean that we can't. So, yeah. So a lot of my work with clients is, is around making that quitting plan so that there's actionable steps and bite-sized pieces that are moving and changing every week, every month. So they don't feel like they're going to be stuck forever and trapped uh, and then usually people who work with me, we make a short-term and a long-term quitting plan. And generally that's six to 12 months. Um, sometimes for people it's three to six months, but usually six to 12 gives them enough of a cushion to build the savings, pay some debt off, figure out the skills gap between where they are and where they want to be and kind of get ramping up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. It's really awesome that you're helping people do more of what they love. So getting back to, so you, you pretty much knew that you didn't want to be stuck in corporate for the rest of your life before your son was born. Is that right? Am I understanding that right? Yep. Yep. I did. I just never really took the leap. 
I just, I feel like I didn't have enough information. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I just kept going into training after training, right. To figure out, well, what's the one thing to rule them all. And I thought about going back to school for acupuncture or getting my therapist degree. And I decided, oh, I don't want to go another 60,000 in debt. And so I started leaning into what I was good at and what I knew. And could I make a living out of helping people do what I was doing? And I had a really great mentor, Tad Hargrave of Marketing for Hippies, that helped me really (laughs) flesh it out to figure out, okay, is there something that I'm good at that's of service to people that people would actually want to pay for? (laughs) And surprise, surprise, even to me, like there is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like when you, when you learned that, when you had that moment of like, yeah, I need to do something different that lights me up. Were you, were you like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Or was it more kind of like your bosses where, well, I'm here. I wish I could do this. Did you see a lot of limiting factors or were you more of the mind of, okay, this is going to be hard, but someday I'm going to do this. And here are kind of some steps I can take now to figure it out. Yeah, it was definitely more of the second. I never, not for one moment, thought that I wouldn't quit. I knew, I just had this itch inside of me and this drive that I knew I was being called to do something more and different and to be of service to people. My whole life, the whole reason I went into psychology is because I wanted to help people. I love working with people and human resources was an accidental step. And I soon realized HR is really kind of the police officer of the corporation. And that was not my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. So that's pretty amazing though, that you, I think that, do you think that you've always been someone who has been very in tune with your, yourself or had good intuition or have you always kind of had that, that, that skill, I would say? Oh, that's a great question. So I think I repressed it for a lot of years trying to fit in. And, and as you were saying, you know, check the boxes. I was married previously and through my yoga teacher training and trusting my body more and my intuition more, I realized that marriage wasn't serving me. And so got divorced in a bit of a long and messy process. And then I started trusting myself more. And actually, uh, a year ago, I went through a one year long intuition development school, and I'm currently in clairvoyant training. Oh, cool. It's really cool. Yeah, but it's all work about visualization and intuition development and really learning to trust that voice inside of you that says you need something different. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that there's so many people that really have lost that just for like for reasons that you mentioned where you know, we have these belief structures of how we think things should be or how we're supposed to be. And we go check those boxes. And then pretty soon we've been checking the boxes for so long that we kind of forget like who we really are or, or what's true to us. I'm curious because I've been through a divorce too. And that was like the, I would say for me was like really the catalyst for me to really relearn who I, who I am and to really learn how to tap into that intuition. I'm just curious, like what, part did your divorce play in that for you? 
Yeah, it really helped me put myself first in a way that I hadn't been trained or taught to do. So I started doing more of what I wanted to do. One of the first things I did, the first big trips I took after my divorce was to go to Burning Man. Oh, by fun. Myself. It was amazing. But it was slightly crazy to go from the Midwest to fly to Reno to go to the desert with 70,000 people I had never met. And that's really where I got into ecstatic dance. And all I did at that burn was dance all day and danced all night. And it just felt so good to come home to myself. Yeah, it is such a, you know, I even, I don't know how you feel about this, but I even sometimes I can tell when I'm sort of falling away from that. Like, you know, I'll be really, really in tune with myself. And then all of a sudden, like, I'll start to feel real restless or kind of a little discontent even. And I'm, and it's like my, my signal that, okay, something's not quite right. You need to really bring it back, (laughs) really recenter, really get back in touch with yourself. Do you have those moments too, where you kind of start to feel like, yeah, okay. Definitely. It's usually just like you said, it's um, not keeping up with the practice or not making the time to go outside or dance as much as I want to, or just holding still a bit more. So are those the things that you typically do for self-care? Like when you start to feel that way, dance, get outside? Yeah, I try to go for a hike outside somewhere at least once a day. I am very blessed to live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we have a ton of parks and wooded areas nearby. And I have a golden retriever and a, I look down because she's sleeping under me, um, (laughs) and a toddler. So getting both of them outside and active is really crucial to my survival. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) And then dancing has been a big, a big piece of it, but also practices like tarot reading have been really good for me just to take some fun magic playtime with myself of, okay, you know, what do I, what questions do I have and how can I play with this deck in a way that's fun and kind of like this physical representation of trusting my intuition. That's really interesting. This is kind of, it's funny you bring tarot up. I've been seeing so much about tarot lately and I don't want to get too off track, but it fascinates me. And would you say for anyone out there that is listening and interested in tarot or, or even like Oracle cards, I know they're different, but do you feel, I don't know a lot about tarot to be honest, but I know that what I feel like with Oracle cards, when you, when you ask, kind of ask a question and then pull one, it's like really more about I always, cause I always thought they were funny, like weird. Like, what is it supposed to tell my future? Like, uh, but no, I've, I've, right. <laughs> but then I realized it's more about what it kind of stirs up in, in me mm-hmm. and like what it brings up. And it's like really interesting. Obviously if it's bringing something up, it's something that needed to get brought up and to be thinking about and be mindful of. Yeah. It's, I think They're a really good tool to utilize, to learn to trust your intuition and yeah, investigate questions for yourself of, yeah, what is this bringing up? Or was this, is this what I thought was coming up today? Um, Oracle cards are a much better starting point. They're, they're a really more accessible than tarot cards in terms of just everyday use. And then tarot cards, because they have a system and a structure It's best to get the Rider Waite deck, which is the original tarot card deck, and work with that one for a while and then get the 
fancier, prettier decks. <laughs> Sounds really interesting. Yeah. I, it's funny when I got my first uh, deck of Oracle cards, which was recommended to me by my first coach, actually. And I think they're so much fun. But my son saw him and he's like, what are those tarot cards? What are you like <laughs> crazy <Right>? now? <laughs> are you doing magic now, mom? What right, is right. <laughs> He just turned 18. So he's, you know, one of those cynical, like, you know, has to make fun of his mom all the time. (laughs) So um, kind of getting back to what we were talking about before, I'm what I'm curious, what I go through a lot with my clients is a lot of women have this guilt for wanting something that is like outside of those boxes. So, you know, they, they kind of go through this process where they think, you know, my life is pretty good. I have all this stuff to be thankful for. Like, who am I to want more? Isn't that ungrateful? Or, you know, and I'm, and I think for a lot of women, it kind of stops them from really pursuing that stuff. I'm just curious if that ever entered your mind at all. Oh, I think I had to continually see those thoughts and work to shift them. Uh, The stories I tell a lot of the women that I coach are about the privilege of of white males asking for money, right? Because I I have recruited and hired over a thousand people in my career. So what I saw consistently was young white men out of college, they would ask for more money. And then when we presented them with a job offer, they would counteroffer every time and they would get it. They would always counteroffer for more money and they would get it. But what I saw time and time again is women would just take what they could get. And, you know, they wouldn't counteroffer because we weren't taught that. We were taught, well, you know, you take what you get and that's good enough and you got to work hard and work your way up. But I watched other people not do that. So I started encouraging women to ask for more money, always ask for more money. And then I started rigging the system myself. <laughs> and when, <laughs> when my bosses say, oh, well, you know, try this salary offer, but we can go up to this high if you can, I would start the women higher and just say, you know, that's, that's what we had to do. That's the lowest she would go. Sorry. And I'm glad I did that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's so true. Right. Like, I, yeah, it's so true. It's tough. I don't think, and, and not to be like, oh, poor, poor us, poor women, but really we, we do have to work. We have to work harder to get the same results. We do. And it's like, and what's really hard is that I saw a lot of women putting down other women too, right? Because that psychology gets trained in and of like, well, this is as good as it gets. You're not allowed to ask for more. So I had to actively see the structure of that and see how that thought process and way of being holds us back, which is what I love, 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 love about the online coaching industry, because I feel like women kind of said F you to the glass ceiling and the structure. And it's like, I'm going to work from home on my own schedule, doing work. I love that lights me up and I'm going to make the money I want to make doing it. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> right? I, I love that. Yes. I love that. That's so great. I love that you kind of rigged the system too. That is so <laughs> awesome. So freaking amazing. I love that. <laughs> so you saw this happening and you were kind of like, 
no, I'm not going to feel guilty because I deserve this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slink back and say this is as good as it gets because I, I have the ability to decide what's possible for me. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it was, it was definitely a process through a lot of trial and error. And I think I cried at every corporate job I've ever had. <laughs> um, I was always told that I was too much in one way or another. I was too sensitive, too loud, too outgoing, too competitive. There was just no way to win. In your, in your in jobs, the- you were told that? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And mm-hmm. so it became this realization of, oh, it's never going to be the right fit. And I need to stop playing small so that other people feel okay. <laughs> that's such an amazing realization. Like as a coach, that's, you know, for you too. I mean, that's where we want to see our clients get. We want to see them overcome like that scarcity mindset. And this is all there is. We all have to compete for it. I always use the analogy of like a pie, like the scarcity mindset is like, if you have half the pie, there's only half left. Well, they forget that we can always make more pie. <laughs> Right. Just bake another pie. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I think it was really becoming a yoga teacher that helped me with that because there's so many yoga teachers, right? But people gravitate towards their yoga teacher. I had regular clients who would come and they would only come to my classes. Just like in coaching, we have people that need us specifically. And it's only a small percentage of the population, right? So there's plenty for everybody. And imagine, imagine if everybody had a coach and like a mindset coach and a health coach and a therapist, and that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely would. I always say to people, um, like everybody deserves to have a coach. Like even coaches have coaches and it's like, it's because you can't (laughs) see that stuff that it's when you're in the middle of it, it's like seeing the forest through the trees. Like it's just, you just get in your own way. You don't see patterns. You don't see stories. And to have somebody point them out to you is pretty mind blowing. (laughs) And so helpful. I always, uh, I've said this for probably eight years or so, you know, we're individual souls in individual bodies for a reason. We're here to reflect things off of each other and to help each other and work together And there's so much power in that in coaching, just simple things. Like even in our conversation today, you're reflecting myself back at me in ways that I, I think is no big deal because it's just what I live in. It's what I do, but it's really helpful to have it reflected back of, oh yeah, I guess that is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I, well, you know, I always say like when I decided I wanted to get into coaching, it was when I, I actually hired a coach because I was in the middle of my divorce. And I knew I was going to have to go back to some kind of career after being a stay-at-home mom slash part-time photographer for like 14 years. And I was pretty scared. (laughs) So yeah. So, and I I just had no clue. I was a mess. I didn't, I knew I didn't want to go back to my, my past career, which was engineering. I was pretty sure I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to sit in a, in a cubicle, right? So the things I will never forget, it, it really changed my the course of my life because we were talking about coaching and it was after several sessions, I started to kind of say, you know, I kind of think this might be up my alley. And she's like, you were talking about it some more. And then I said, yeah, but I don't really know how to do it. Like I... I what if I can't? And then she stopped me and she said, well, what if you can? 
And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was like literally like that. I tell that story all the time because that was like, oh, right. What if I can? I mean, it's just such an easy shift, but it makes all the difference. And the other thing she said to me was, because I'm one of those people who, and well, I, I'm not as much like this, but I used to be very much like I had to have it all figured out before I started. Yeah. And she was like, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out to just take the first step or the next step. And that was also very life-changing for me. That's amazing. I definitely think coming from corporate and coming from engineering, there's this structure right? You can kind of see your career path laid out in front of you and you know where you're going or you have some idea of it. And so to step into this unknown of coaching of I'm going to do what, and I'm going to make it up as I go and I can change it when I want to. And it's just dependent on me. Like, hold up. That's a lot of variables. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's all this like, well, what if it, what if I fail or what if people judge me. And it's funny because I, well, I do a lot of mindset work with my clients, but it's funny because when you start to really think about it, you, there's nothing in your life that you, that you go through and do for an extended period of time where you don't have something that's hard. Like, you know, I mean, it's just the way life is. It is. It's just life. And I really had to get serious with myself of, well, what's failure? what's failure? Is that even possible? I don't think it is. I mean, what's failure? Is failure dying before you get to everything you wanted to get to? Like, welcome to being human. <laughs> right, right. I think, yeah, it's it's such a, it's such a great shift when you can actually see failure in that way that like I've, I mean, nobody likes to fail, but like you oh. said, I don't really know that there really is a such thing as failure unless you just quit. If you just don't, if you give up, like, yeah, that's true. And if you give up and then make the intentional choice that it just wasn't what was best for you, right. Then you didn't fail. You succeeded. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it is very tough to fail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Because sometimes, and it's okay to decide that something's not for you. Like, you know, for somebody who say, let's just kind of use an example that's kind of close to what you do. Say somebody quits corporate and tries, decides to try their own business, but then decides, you know what? It wasn't so bad in corporate. I'm going to, I don't want to keep that direction. I mean, you know, everybody has their own thing. And as long as, like you said, it's intentional. Yeah. I think it goes back to that, that intentional choice of, you know, what do I want my life to look like? Where do I want to place my time and energy? How do I want to work? And I think for a lot of us getting into corporate America, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you graduate, you get into the workforce, you take what you can and work your way up. There hasn't been a lot of intentional choice of, oh, this is how I want to work. This is the corporation I really want to be. This even, this is where I want to live, not just moving to a place because you have work there. The city I live in now is the first one I ever decided I'm just going to move here because I want to. (laughs) That's so amazing. I was thinking about that the other day. In fact, I'm in the DC area and it's not where I would choose to, I mean, it's fine, but it's not where I would choose to live. I've lived in Seattle. I've lived in Savannah, Georgia, LA, grew up in Minneapolis or near Minneapolis. And I'm here because my ex-husband, his job brought us here and now I'm stuck here because kids and stuff. But 
I would love to just pick a place to move to someday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's exciting. And, and I think choices are exciting. And that's a big piece of taking down the corporate structure or idealism that comes with, oh, okay, well, I work a job, I have really good benefits and I get paid very well, but I hate what I'm doing and I'm just going to do it until I retire is just dismantling those illusions and seeing the choices that you do have. Like you don't have to work Monday through Friday, nine to five. And actually you can make more money in less time when you're in control of the work and productivity instead of wasting time staring at your computer. (laughs) So good. I know that's so true. I, yeah, most of the, most jobs, you don't need to sit your butt in a chair for 40 hours a week to get it done. (laughs) The the first corporate job I had, I was a co-op in college for a large multinational chemical corporation. And I will never forget this. I kept blowing through the work. I just got it done really quickly. And my boss literally took me aside one day and said, Emily, I need you to work slower because we don't have enough things for you to do and you need to spread it out. And I was like, what? That's crazy. It was crazy. It seems like it would make more sense to get paid for a job that you complete than by the hour. Yeah, by the hours. And then you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, I always, it always feels like such a hamster wheel. I, I use that term a lot. It's like you're, you know, you, a lot of my clients are in that place and yours too. They're in that place where they just, they get up every day. They do the same thing every day. It feels like boring. They're tired. They feel like they're going through the motions and it's almost like they're just living to get off of that hamster wheel. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the whole routine, right? The, oh, it's Monday, Monday suck. Oh, hump day, Wednesday, TGIF, it's Friday. Like everybody's living for the weekend. Yeah. What would it like to actually enjoy every day of your life? Right. And then the weekends go by so fast and then it's Monday again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What would it be like to actually love your Monday mornings? You know, that's possible. That life's possible. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. I, I'm really happy to have had you on the show because I think that just your journey with sort of finding your real authentic self and being able to bring that to your own work and then just having the courage to step into something that a lot of people are really afraid to do. A lot of people can do it, but it's like just having that courage to say, no, this is not me. I want to live a life that's me. I deserve yeah. to live the life that's me and just like going for it is like exactly what the show is about. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. I think our work resonates so strongly with each other and it's, it's been so lovely to be on your show with you. Thank you. Yeah. So before we go, I just want to ask you if you had like one takeaway for um, listeners today, what would it be? Hmm. I think the biggest thing is to craft an action plan towards anything you want to do. And that way you can take that dream of, I want to quit someday, or I want to do what I love eventually, but make it smaller. Maybe that's a payoff goal. Maybe it's a savings goal. Maybe it's doing some kind of training, but having those bite-sized steps will help you feel like you're more in charge of your life instead of life happening to you. 
I love that. I think that that's so easy to fall into that trap of like life is happening to me. I don't have any control over it. Whereas, you know, you can actually, you do actually get to decide what your life looks like. And I think, you know, people, yeah, people, I think once you realize that it just, it's such, it opens up so many just doors for you and it's just helps you live a happier life too. Oh yeah. It's hard. It's, Hard because you can't see the waterfall effect until you start making those decisions. And then one door opens after the next. And before you know it, you're in charge of your life and your day-to-day schedule again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And real quick before we go too, I just want to point out that a lot of times, like when, like you said, when we have that one goal, that's really big and we don't chunk it up, like we all want to get there like tomorrow, but like if you, you know, but if you do, like you said, chunk it up a little bit and take these small little steps, it's like you are, you are on this journey or moving closer to that point all the time. So it's not like, you know, some people are like, Oh, it's going to take me five years to get there. And they get really discouraged. And it's like, well, Every day along, so what if it takes you five years? Every day along that journey, you're getting closer. So, so it's, I always say the path is the goal. Just the journey there is kind of, you know. Love that. Yeah. And, and breaking it down and doing it step by step makes it so much more achievable and real than this like giant nebulous goal in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. And then so many people don't ever get there because it's, it's not really believable because it's this, like you said, it's this big, I don't know, blob of something that's not really real. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, tell us where we can find you if we, if my Uh listeners want to learn more about what you do. Yeah. So you can find me at Emily Otto Rebel on Instagram and Facebook. And my website is www.emily-otto.com. Awesome. And I'll put those in the show notes too, so people can find you easily. But thank you so much for being here today, Emily, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Well, friends, I hope that you enjoyed hearing about Emily's real brave and unstoppable journey. Sometimes knowing what you don't want is half the battle. And you heard Emily talk about how she knew corporate life was not something that she wanted. It takes a lot of courage to leave a safe, secure job with good pay and benefits for this uncertainty of entrepreneurship. So many people, though, just accept that they are in a place that isn't for them, and they figure they'll do that hamster wheel until they can retire. Emily is proof that you have options. Oftentimes, mindset blocks are what keep you from really exploring your dreams, and I can help you with that. I invite you to schedule a free call with me to talk about what's holding you back. It's a great opportunity to pick my brain and see if we can figure out what's keeping you stuck. I know we can. You can schedule that free 30-minute call at CourtneyRivardCoaching.as.me slash discovery and check out what Emily is doing in her work too. Link is in the show notes. That's it for today, friends, and I will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you for hanging out with me today on Real Brave and Unstoppable. If you liked what you heard or if you're enjoying the podcast, I would love it and so greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Also, be sure to head on over to my website at CourtneyRivard.com. You can sign up for some free journal prompts there. They're designed to help you get a little bit of clarity in what you want in your life. You can also follow me on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest are all Courtney Rivard Coaching and Twitter at Courtney Rivard. Thanks again for tuning in today and I will see you next time.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real, Brave, and Unstoppable. If you'd like to learn more about creating an authentic life that's true to who you are, visit CourtneyRivard.com slash lovelife to download your free guide on how to build your vision and create a life that you love. You'll be so glad you did. I'll see you next time.